Hello everyone, welcome to Beyond the Adventure, a podcast exploring why people took on their own unique journeys and what they learned from their experiences. My name is Gareth Brown and thanks for listening. Hi everyone, this podcast covers Eric's journey into music and busking on a piano bike. We discuss his upcoming cross-country piano bike touring trip from Norway to Tenerife in 2024, while also delving into the background of the origins of this project. It was also wonderful to chat through Eric's passion for visual art and design, creativity and adventure. Hey Eric, we're live. Uh, How are you? Doing well. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. Very well. Very well. Um, I think uh, when you dropped me a note last, you mentioned that your um, piano builder friend who was visiting from France was with you until the 28th of March. So uh, is that on now? What's the what's the current situation? How how's the build going? It's amazing. It was so good to have him here, uh, spending time every day, kind of refining the the frame details uh, for the piano. So it was really good. Oh, epic, epic. So we're going to probably talk about the piano bike uh, quite a bit through this conversation, I I hope. Can you almost just, for people listening, um, almost describe it? Uh, it's, I mean, on your Instagram, I'll definitely point people there so they can get a full view. But yeah, can you just share the what it looks like, the design, um, how it's built? Uh, yeah, just really give people that, that picture. Okay, so... Um... Do you want me to describe the existing one or the one to come? Oh, it's a good question. Probably, yeah, probably both, actually. It would be good to know what was, okay. what's been done in the past and then what you're building towards moving forward. Awesome. Cool. So, so far I have two iterations. Uh, my first was less than $500 to build, and we just uh, slapped things together, put it on a trailer, and just made it as utility as possible to get down to the farmer's market, uh, where I busk. And, uh, that one lasted for a good bit, but being stored under a tarp in my backyard didn't, uh, didn't fare too well in the weather. So then I raised money on a crowdfunding campaign and built the second generation, which has a much more integrated look It uh, the top tube of the bike is at the same height as the piano. And so it's kind of got this tall bike feel to it. Um, I've heard a friend refer to it as, uh, looks like a Dr. Seuss creation, um, <laughs> which I appreciate a lot. Um, and yeah, it's it's uh, fully human powered. Uh, it's about 500 pounds and wow. uses a, a continuously variable transmission for the gearing and gear very low. Um, and that's been around for quite for since 2014 that was built and um it's it's great for local travel but then this third iteration is for cross-country travel that i'm working on right now and so that's uh, yeah wow and uh your, so your previous iterations i remember you sharing a story with me where you said once you actually tipped it which sounds yes. like a quite a traumatic situation, to be honest. And yeah. then you then still busked the same day, even though it was broken, mm-hmm. which is pretty pretty wild. <laughs> is that was that was that the one that was five hundred pounds? Like how how heavy was yeah. that one? That t- t- holy shit! Yeah, that was five hundred pounds. Yeah, 
Oh my gosh. So can you talk me through that story a little bit? Just this, I think this is a really nice summary of almost um, the use case of the piano bike, uh, your daily challenges, I'm assuming, but also the wonderful opportunities that comes around um, of having something like this. Uh, Yeah. Can you share that story? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, So I was busking at the downtown farmer's market and uh, that was kind of my general gig that I did every week and uh, made a lot of money. I was doing really well biking back home. There was a festival happening at this uh, plaza. And so I stopped there. I busked there. I made some more money. I was super happy. I went and bought pizza for me and some friends. And then as I was leaving, I was coming from um, the driveway into the main road and I wasn't being conscious of how I was hitting that. So I need to kind of hit that as at a perpendicular angle um, to stay safe, but I hadn't yet encountered this problem. So I came out of 45 and it totally knocked me one way and then knocked me the other way once I hit the, hit the road because the dip in the gutter was so big. I'm with you. And yeah. it flew me just threw me right off. Um, I was fortunate enough to land right on my feet. Um, <laughs> kind of the nice thing about being on the tall bike is that I was kind of over any danger. I was able to kind of like jump. Yeah. Off with you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, it tipped and it was like a cartoonish bang and everybody in the downtown area was like looking over and saw it. And, uh, honestly quite embarrassing and uh people came over and and helped me lift it up and I just knew in my mind I was just picturing the wheel just totally bent taco for sure um but to my surprise triple wall bmx wheels are pretty durable (laughs) and that's what I built they're pretty sturdy that's that's the recommendation and the tip for the day just keep one of those (laughs) (laughs) so not out of true at all just perfectly fine and got it back upright um i stored the piano bench on top of the key bed and that smashed into the piano a little bit and so i i could tell there was damage but then i was i started biking home just kind of shaken up from it and just starting to breathe and as i was biking home someone pulled over and was like hey um would you be interested in playing an event tonight and i was like uh, probably not. I just, just crashed on this and I feel pretty shaken up. About it. He's like, I'll pay you 200 bucks for half an hour, uh, to play. And I said, well, okay, I'll get home and dress <laughs> this <laughs> and see if I can, if I can make it work. So I went home, tuned it up. There were some serious issues in the base end from where the piano bench had smashed into the action, but I did what I could <clears throat> went to the event um, needless to say, it was not the most, uh, not the best sounding event I've ever played. The piano just couldn't get up to speed before it. Um, so I played anyway, they were grateful and, uh, I felt good. And that was, that kind of shaped, um, how I write it now. Um, mm. just, uh, feel a lot more cautious on it now but yeah that's the story when it tipped wow and you've also made some adjustments to some of the design right for the next iteration 
just just support some of these yeah i guess sharper corners or yeah what kind of adjustments have you started to make to make to kind of reduce the chances of this happening so for one i'm going back to like a traditional um seating position on the bike so the front end is going to be a traditional bike triangle Um, right and then the rear is going to be using a tilting articulation, which is going to be really wonderful for two reasons. For one, like you said, for cornering, but even more so um, for accommodating um, different elevations in, in the road, like a road camber. Um, yeah. It's going to ride vertical even when the road is slanted. So um, that's going to be huge for stability. Um, and ultimately, uh, bringing the piano weight down dramatically. So oh, I have okay. a goal weight of a hundred pounds to bring the piano down. It's a little bit unrealistic, but we're reshaping everything on the piano. And I think, I think we can do it. Wow. So, so the total weight will be what for the next iteration? You said. It- so um, we still have yet to kind of design the tilting articulation yeah. and that, that part, but um, so it'll be a titanium front triangle carbon fiber piano and um those two pieces i'm hoping can be under 150 pounds and then the tilting articulation so in total i'm hoping my loaded uh my loaded system will be 200 pounds wow yeah i mean that's yeah i mean that's a big reduction compared to what you've done before wow amazing um It'd be great to almost let's go back. I think people will be interested to know how this has even come around. <laughs> um, mm. I guess your your background historically been you're quite um, sporty as a family. Uh, I, as I yeah. understand, you're a bit of a prolific skier back in the day, and I think your mm-hmm. siblings are also um, also good. Yeah, like that's. It sounds like the sport came first and music later, or, or perhaps not. How do you absolutely you almost talk absolutely. through those, those music. Two things? Music was never a priority for me. My mom had me in piano lessons for like, I don't even remember a year, but I just suffered through it and didn't really enjoy it or gravitate yeah. to it at all. Um, every weekend I was up in the mountain building jumps with my friends, um, skiing. And then um, later got attracted to trail running and yeah. didn't really think about it. But yeah, sports have always been integrated in my life from a young age. So, um, just always kind of been underneath the surface of my life, never really like, um, a big priority, but also always there. Yeah. So it was more for the, uh, the passion of it. And and I guess the somewhat community perhaps, but not necessarily going out there to try and like win a trail race or or might be wrong, but like, yeah, I think people have very different motivations for their own sports experience. It could be for, community the competition just the development skills i'm not sure but yeah yours was perhaps more for community kind of um experience-based type i would yeah i would say experience-based like i i always i was kind of resistant to entering a race for so long i was trail running for some time before i ever did that i just loved the freedom of leaving my house and i'm fortunate to live in salt lake city where I was living downtown at the time and I could just leave my house, go up one drainage 
um, beyond the Bonneville shoreline trail that just sort of like cuts across the foothills and come right back down to my house down a different drainage. I mean, it, oh, wow. I live in the best city for trail running, I think. Um, and yeah, so it was more of just like connection with nature and my body. And then I did love the community aspect to it once I did start racing and um, joining running groups. Yeah. Is that still kind of a big part of, of now or have you, are you just focused more on the cycling at the moment? Absolutely. Like to, to be honest, I don't love cycling nearly as much as I love trail running. Um, ah, interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm yeah. in a member, I'm a member of a really great trail running group called trail breakers here in Salt Lake city. We get on a trail at 6am and it's wonderful. Um, ah, awesome. I do, I do like biking. Um, it's just not, it's just not as fun for me as trail running. Um, but I love the thing I love about biking most is the speed at which you can travel between places using only human power. Like yeah, touring is so wonderful on a bike and I would much rather go on a long distance multi-day tour on a bike than I would like, especially in an urban context than on foot. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that yeah. I think that's a really nice summary. My uh, like, I love touring, but obviously more for when you've got a little bit more time. Like if you've got mm-hmm. a month here or there, or you've got even just a weekend, as you said. But there's no better way than traveling by by biking yeah. that in that instance. But yeah, I definitely hear you on the, the the trail running side. I never really did any trail running until maybe four or five years ago when I moved to Switzerland. And obviously here it's it's pretty big, <laughs> and the trails are amazing. Uh, but the whole community around trail running at least here in europe uh is really growing like like super quickly uh there was Mm. the the utmb is like a big focus in europe for a while but now it's just like exploded and they've bought a lot of other races it's also quite commercialized now so there's like a real interesting point in the sport here in europe at least where there's still like kind of sub communities and running groups but it's also quite mainstream and races are getting more expensive and it's harder to get in and and all these other aspects that come along with the popularity so it'd be interesting to see how it kind of plays out in the next few years yeah 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 Um, i've been to utmb uh once before my brother competed in it and actually the local race that is my favorite in salt lake city has just been bought by utmb Oh, has it? Uh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, I think they were like purchased by like the Ironman group or something. And now they're really scaling operations up and buying yeah. lots of different races. And it all kind of loops back. And your brother, he he won the, what was it called? The, the Wasatak? Yeah. Wa- Wasatch. That, that that's right? our local mountain. Wasatch, sorry. <laughs> yeah. The Wasatch 100. No, it's all good. He won that a couple of years ago. He got second. And then the next year he got first. And wow. in the UTMB, I think he was 60th in the um, CCC, the 100K race. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, amazing. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And um, so then, yeah, so you uh, grew up lots of trail running, still doing it now. And then music, as I understand, is you were kind of, uh, you found a little spot in the University of Texas where you could practice uh, on the piano. Yeah. How did that come around? I guess you were just visiting a friend, but did you have a... Uh, a burning desire to think for a while, Hey, I want to get back into the piano. I know I didn't enjoy it as a kid, but maybe I do now. How did that kind of come around? Yeah. So piano didn't totally lead my life. Like I was in punk bands in high school and like, right. Thought it would be unique and interesting to put in some keyboard here and there. 
but I had no burning desire to get back into piano or do that in a big way. It came like completely out of boredom actually. And just going <laughs> to my friend's uh, uh, college campus and yeah, I was just wandering through cause he was busy all day and I was there for like at least a month, I think. And so I just wandered through campus and found these amazing practice rooms with Steinway Grands, and I just took an immediate interest. And I spent the rest of my time visiting, spending five hours a day in these practice wow. rooms, developing a passion for it that like has never gone away since then. So I came home from that trip, found a free piano on Craigslist, moved it into my basement, and I just like it's been a part of my life ever since. That's amazing. In that first month in particular, um, it, it was just self-taught then? You weren't like, like, how did you kind of, because it's one thing to say, I've got a passion for it, I'm just going to start doing it. But I like, often with something like a, a real skill-based activity like piano, like you need to be getting teaching or coaching. Did it just kind of come fairly natural to you? Like, how did you really like, um, yeah, build up the skill level almost? Yeah, that's a good question. I just taught myself I didn't learn other people's music I just came in and kind of let the piano do half the work and just heard um stuff I liked just created stuff I liked and then I would just repeat it until I had it memorized in my muscles and then I would come the next day and I would get that far and I'd go a little bit farther and then I would uh. continue to do it and I would just um yeah, piece by piece, link different ideas and learn just by trial and error, really. Yeah, wow. Oh, that's, I mean, yeah, that's a really good approach. And then how did you start to then transition into, I guess, into busking? I, I think that you mentioned, I mean, you, you've got the Craigslist uh, piano now at home. You're practicing yeah. there. When was the moment where you thought, I can perhaps join another band or an ensemble or, or something? Like when was that transition point where you had the confidence to um, think I can maybe make some money out of this? Um, yeah, so I was hosting. I used to live in like a punk house and we hosted a lot of bands coming through. And there was very one cool. band in particular that was very good called Blackbird Rum. And they played at the local farmer's market. And I remember them coming home with hundreds of dollars just from busking for a few hours. And I was like, wow, I... I'm considering that that would be really fun and engaging and kind of push me to do better in my piano. Cause yeah. to that point I was just playing by myself and I didn't really have too much of a desire to learn, but I also love design and I love, um, you know, the spectacle of a piano outdoors. I think it's pretty interesting. So I was like, okay, yeah. cool. This is like a good catalyst for me to, to get out. So I then bought that first iteration I talked about that was just as ba basic as you can get, just how little can I put into this? And I was dedicated to cycling as a lifestyle at that point in my life. So I didn't have a car even. It was yeah. um, to get it down there and, and play for the public um, kind of was presented to me by another band doing it. Wow. And can you kind of almost talk me through that first day, like the, the the moment you cycled there, that first performance? Can you can you remember much of it? Like how long did you even play? I, I guess at that point you probably didn't have like a massive library of um, go-to uh, sets of music just yet. So yeah, how was how did it all come together that first day? 
Exactly. I, uh, I did not have a lot of music. I had written three songs that I felt comfortable performing. Um, so I didn't do it by myself. Actually, I, um, got in touch with a friend who I'd heard play. He's a amazing classical pianist. And I was like, Hey, do you want to do this project with me? And we, we would do it together. And it was great because I didn't have a big repertoire. He has an amazing repertoire of uh, beautiful classics. And so they got kind of a mix of more contemporary um, music and classical music. And we would just take shifts, but I just remember the, the joy in people's faces looking at us from the sidewalk and just taking pictures and just being like so excited to see something so unusual um that brings me a lot of joy uh, to see other people excited to see something that they've never thought of or seen before yeah um so just writing it down there before we even started playing was like a huge joy for me and then Yes, like engaging the public, seeing people stop. And for me and the like my skill level at the time, it was perfect to busk because you can kind of play three songs and I could even play three songs again and it'd be a different group of people because yeah, people amazing. so it gave me yeah. the gave me the freedom and flexibility to kind of be in the place where I was technically with my music and with the kind of narrow repertoire that I had. Uh, so busking was just a perfect entry point to music performance. Oh, that's amazing. And that was at the, you said the local farmer's market is where you would often perform on the, on the, on the yep. Saturdays, I guess. Yeah, wow. exactly. And, Saturday, Salt Lake City, downtown farmer's markets. Uh, awesome. And is there, uh, is there a busking community at the, at the market or actually is it, is there not too many people that's going along to busk there on a regular basis? There's a, there's a big busking community, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's probably five or six musical acts that are there. Um, yeah. And there's like a few good spots and then they have like a center stage. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a, there's a pretty good busking community at the farmer's market. Oh, amazing. Great. And have you, um, yeah. as you start to progress through the, the busking, did you start to think about going to other places, busking in other areas? thinking about traveling a bit further with the bike, for example, how did that, what was the next step for you in terms of transitioning to the, to whatever the next step might be from the farmer's market to potential other places? Yeah. So that's a great question. I think it took two, like, I tried to take two directions with my music. One was building an ensemble and performing in more um, curated spaces uh, right, like concert okay. halls and stuff like that. So that that was one step with my music that I really appreciated yeah. is playing with an ensemble. The next step with my piano bike was um, I was busking downtown for a conference um, and it was pretty slow. I was expecting a lot more traffic on the street and I ended up just deciding I would I would just cycle up to this park, find a shady spot in the summer, maybe practice a little bit. I love to play outside. But as I was biking, I was really in my body and feeling good. And I just wanted to see how far I could push. And so I got to a park called Memory Grove. And it's at the base of this small canyon road where there's a lot of pedestrian traffic and cyclists. And uh, I thought, okay, maybe I can push up this uh, this little bit of road to the next canyon. And it's not very far, but it was a pretty consistent incline. And I made it to the top. And there's a little um, 
reservoir there and I played next to it and I just was playing in nature and this random spot I never thought about being on that particular day playing piano and it felt so good to be there and I just started thinking about the nature of music and travel and how musicians you know to get their music out there and to share with everybody they eventually go on tour and book tours and I thought I love bike touring I love music there's a possibility I could do both of these things on a piano bike. And I was just elated riding down the Canyon on my piano bike, thinking about what it would be like to tour, um, long distances with a piano bike. Yeah. So that was kind of, I think that was maybe 2015 or 16 that I had that thought. And ever since then I haven't been able to forget it. And I've been, like making bigger strides this year and, and last year. But yeah, that's how that came to be. Wow. That must've been such a special moment that you'll probably just like remember forever. Like the, when you're on your bike and then it triggers a thought and then from there on out, you're like, Hey, this is going to be like a part of my life now. That's really cool. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, when you're in there, kind of when you are busking, what's been some, has there been any kind of, moments which really stood out to you as being like this yeah this is something i want to be doing long term or, or on the opposite end was there also some times which was like this is just pretty tough and uh it might be a bad crowd or weather's shit or something but yeah like yeah. almost what moments kind of stand out perhaps opposite ends of the spectrum that's a great great thought for me i'm not i like busking but i'm not uh in love with busking um right interesting I'm more in love with playing in, in really interesting places to people who want to be there. And um, that's what I'm really interested in on this tour to sort of curate spaces and get in touch with local collaborators to put events on in like really unique places that an outsider would never know about. And right. it's kind of guerrilla performances, if you will. Um, so for me, busking, it's, it's kind of like a give, it's like a, Sometimes I'm really into what I'm doing and I'm in the middle of a piece and, and someone comes like drunk and starts yelling at me and playing on my piano oh. as I'm playing. And like those kind oh, of experiences shit. really take me out of it and make me question what I'm doing. Um, but I have had really amazing experiences as well where people have come up and then just laid behind the piano and just let felt what i was presenting oh uh, wow to them. and like i see them stand up like with tears in their in their eyes uh from the music i was playing so like those kind of experiences really validate it for me and and make me want to continue doing it yeah that's amazing um yeah really amazing and um as you look ahead to kind of your tours then like next year is going to be the time when you when you really get out there what's the kind of date ranges what's the current plan at the moment about where you might go etc so that's a that's so the the tour is going to go from the northernmost point in norway at nordcap um wow in mainland europe all the way down to the southernmost point in tarifa spain and wow. so i'm going to be yeah i'm going to be just kind of trying to hit major cities along the way and yeah. um, bouncing back and forth a little bit um, 
not just taking the most direct route either. I'm trying to, to see a lot of places and, and share with more people. Um, I'm currently in the design phase. And once we figure out how much like this thing can weigh, I am in, live in a great place to test sort of like how far can I go with what kind of climbs. So once we have an idea of the weight, I'm going to like load my bike down and try and go up the canyons near my house yeah. and experience what it's like to actually pull the weight that I'm proposing. And, um, once we have that figured out, um, then I can kind of dial in a better idea of the tour schedule. There will be a lot of flexibility within the tour schedule. I don't want to be determined sure. necessarily by the schedule. Um, and that's kind of a give and take because if I'm not determined by the schedule, it means that I won't be able to set up kind of as special events perhaps in some cities, yeah. but it also means that if I'm cycling through a beautiful wilderness area, I can spend two days there and um, like spend a whole day composing under the trees, you know, who knows kind of. So yeah. that's, I, I, I'm asking myself those questions a lot right now. Um, the tour is, was like, keeps getting pushed back. 2024 is definitely um, looking realistic. And I think within between now and then I'll make a lot of decisions on sort of, the pacing of the tour, how I want the tour to be and, um, start getting in touch with locals from those areas that I intend to travel through and see yeah. if they need a firm schedule, if there's flexibility and then kind of like create the tour around, um, those significant cities that I'll be going through. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing. But at the same time, when you talk, actually it makes, it's, it's quite daunting. The, that, yeah. that, that mix, that mix of, just you have a general route but you do want to find the right moments the right places to play and the schedules could be tough and you never know with bike touring like sometimes like weather or whatever especially with like a piano you want to be really mindful about what you're doing well if you were to guess now you don't even have to answer this but what type of distance would you probably be expecting to do on, on a, like on a normal day do you think yeah so that's i i'm i'm thinking 50k a day. 50k yeah. um i think it's reasonable with the amount of weight that i'm i'm carrying i'm thinking between 50k and maybe 80k yeah okay nice and obviously yeah, it depends on like the incline and stuff of the day and and if you were to yeah. almost um describe the type of venue the type like almost uh what would you said you want to play at like certain spots perhaps the ones that are kind of like off the beaten track a little bit but still obviously in a yeah. in, in cities etc what would almost be like the desirable location and like environment actually i would say to, to play and what, what's yeah. your kind of preferred audience size or is it yeah what's the what's the dynamic like yeah uh the dynamic would be like alleyway concert random place that's uh, you know, maybe not normally used for performance, but there's got some beauty to it. Um, parking garage at the top of, uh, you know, where you can kind of see a city surrounding you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, smaller towns, like getting out into the countryside, being on the, you know, uh, foothills. And that's the thing I'm very excited about is there's just so much performance possibility. It's kind of, 
I have some ideas of how it could look based off of what I've done locally here and some cool alleyway yeah. concerts. Um, but also just kind of giving that to people who are interested in what I'm doing and seeing like, this is what I'm doing. Do you have something in mind and seeing how it takes shape? But yeah, I mostly envision sort of kind of like discrete alleyway kind of people stumbling upon it and looking down the alley and seeing this thing that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. I think in Europe, especially it's going to be amazing because obviously you're going to bypass so many different cultures and also just architecture and, 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 and everything, even the way the outdoors is, is, is across the different countries. So it's mm. going to be really special, man. Like, and you're going to meet some yeah. incredible people. Will you try and at all, it doesn't sound like you probably will, but would you like try and reach certain places when there actually are the kind of fairly big busking events happening? Like for example, in Bern where I am, like it happens every August. I mean, it's one of the best weekends of the year to be fair. Um, but that's kind of a, a much more signposted burn buskers this date weekend of the year, or would you try and maybe not necessarily go and and do it at those times? You try and find the more independent spots that you along the way. I'm not going to plan around events, but I will yeah. stay back a couple of days or go forward a couple of days to try to hit them. So like yeah. I will look into seeing what is going to be taking place at the general time that I'm going to be somewhere. And those kind of things are what I'm going to use to shape the schedule, but it's not shaped around any particular events. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But I'm definitely not opposed to playing them once, once they come up, like I'm psyched to, to be in a festival or event. That sounds great. Yeah. Cause I, I'm also interested to know like how much, um, almost like community you you would like throughout the trip because obviously quite a lot of this you might end up being solo for fairly long periods i'm assuming like you're not doing this yeah. with anyone right in terms of the correct rough itinerary. it's so yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's a it's planned as a solo and i've kind of um put invitations out to people if they want to join me for a part um wonderful i'm happy to have it be more of a community event and just seeing how it takes shape um one thing I'm really excited about about this tour is that the first uh, month is pretty isolated through Sweden, and there's not a lot of big cities from the northernmost point of mainland Norway, Europe, yeah. uh, is a long stretch. So I'm basically going to be camping with my piano. There's not going to be any performance element to that yeah. part, and I'm going to be kind of working through maybe compositions and being in nature. So I love that part about my tour is that, and that's the reason why I'm doing it north to south and not south to north is because I get to start with my music, with nature, with a bike, get comfortable before I start engaging with people. That makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. Which, uh, which aspects almost, there's a lot there actually, but is which aspects almost probably perhaps excite you the most, but also scare you the most about a trip such as this? Uh, like you said earlier, weather is is a huge factor. Um, yeah, we're doing everything that we can to make the the piano itself as hydrophobic as possible. You know, using carbon fiber, uh, using other composites. It's it's hugely advantageous to this project not just for weight savings but also for weather resistance um 
And yeah, just being in hard positions where I've been cycling all day and like, I have to get off and walk my bike and there's mm. cars passing me. And I think, um, I don't feel daunted by it, the project, but I do know that once I get it going, I will have days that are just hard and that I just want to quit. Um, and like, why am I pushing a piano through this remote area every day? Like, I think there will be those days for sure. I think you're going to get some of the strangest looks ever when you're just like riding uh-huh. through a small <laughs> village and you're just cycling through with a piano attached. I think yeah. you're like, what on earth is going on here? Uh-huh. But I also think that that will facilitate facilitate a lot of interaction with locals. I think totally. I think people. I yes. think for sure that people will be stopping and uh, they will be asking and and also I think communication wise through the majority of Europe it will all be pretty good communication wise yeah. like in English like especially in all the Nordics and stuff it's going to be fine maybe as you get a bit further yeah. south perhaps a bit more challenging yeah ah oh, so cool man mm-hmm. yeah. And, yeah and and the especially the Europe like this particular travel like where did the the idea of this, maybe perhaps more this route come from, or was it more just, just want to get the chance to go to Europe and this just kind of combines these interests. But yeah, when did you start thinking, Hey, like I really want to take this international rather than perhaps just focused on, on the U S. You know, it's really interesting how things take shape because at first I had envisioned going across the United States. Um, Mm. But then I started investigating lightweight pianos and alternative piano design. And I came up with this amazing piano builder named David Clavins. And I ended up working with David Clavins. I went to his workshop a couple of times. I spent a month there and we were talking about a carbon fiber build. And um, I've since gone independent from Clavins, but that sort of created the vision of Europe because we were going to build it in Hungary where his workshop was. Ah, um, okay. But I, I met, I was working with one of his employees at the time and we ended up going, like we've stayed in touch and he and I are now, he's my lead designer, um, Guillaume. Um, check him out at Piano Core on Instagram if you want to see his stuff. Um, What's but it's been really Piano fun. Core. Yeah, Piano, Piano Core. Core. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of cool to see how, like, I've been just sort of open to seeing how it plays out. I don't have a ton of money. I can't just like hire people to do it, you know, for, for their rates. Um, so I've been super slow in my pursuit and allowing it to take shape organically and creating community along the way. Um, I feel really grateful to the composites engineer who took the project on as well. So it's like a team of three, basically, at this point, um, with a few other people who I can reach out to with questions. But these people are pretty much volunteering their time to my project. And so there's no way that I can. And that's another reason why it's happening in 2023 and not this year is because it has to go at the pace of passion for others. And while for me, that might be like, now I want it to happen, um, it can't. It has to happen with the grace of other people's giving. And um, But going back to, to Europe, your question, um, 
uh, my friend Guillaume is based in France. He, he's getting a workshop there and um, I'll be shipping materials over there. So it still kind of makes sense uh, logistically to do it in France. But also, like you said, there's this cultural component to Europe that I've been to Europe several times, but I'm going to be excited every day because I've never been in yeah. 90% of the places I'm going to be going. Whereas in the United States, I've, I've done music tours across the country many times, uh, driving, not cycling, but still I've seen, I've seen many States here, almost all of the States. And, um, so I'm just excited for newness. I'm excited for new culture, new people, new feelings in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. I think also you're going to find like a, just a different level of richness when you like when you go through the rural areas of Europe versus the cities, you find it's just very different. Uh, and obviously when you travel, it's just way more common to go to cities, et cetera, which makes loads of sense. You can check out yeah. the old architecture and the museums and the, the kind of the energy. But uh, especially on a trip like this, I think you'll find some really, really nice and rich experiences in um, in in more of the, the, the rural areas. Um, yeah. I guess on the design side, where's your your background like was it in design like and what's your almost role now it seems like you're you've got a lot of passion for for that aspect now and the way that the piano bike looks I mean it looks amazing so like yeah can you almost talk me through that design process how you work where it's come from what skills you've been trying to develop and almost how you've developed these skills like yeah how does all that come together yeah um I've always been a visual artist. I think I'm a visual artist more than I'm a musician um, by like natural gift I, or, or natural ability. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't resonate with me quite as much on an emotional level. And that's what draws me to music. So it's, it's an amazing combination of, of passions. Um, but artistically, I, you know, I spent so much time in my high school um, experience in the graphics lab, doing graphic design, video editing. I love working with design and I don't have a formal education in it beyond high school, but it's just where my passion's been. Um, I've done design and like home renovations and um, just everything is design oriented basically. And so I have a I'm a very particular person about design. And so, yeah, so the, the second iteration came about just looking at a piano and what can, I had a, I had a design constraint on the second one to try to fit it in an eight foot uh, cargo trailer for storage. Um, and that was actually what instigated this odd design of having the steer, the front steer wheel underneath the rider um, because I couldn't afford to have that extra space out front. And then how do I do that? Well, I have to raise it. So it's really mm -hmm. fun working within certain constraints. And with the new piano bike, I have a lot of restraints that I'm working in, which feels somehow liberating to be able to have those limits um, yeah. and constraints, because then you can really refine detail once you get into Absolutely. those limitations. It's a real like um, just a real problem solving element to all of this, isn't it? Which is and it's obviously it's so satisfying once you can over overcome those hurdles and those challenges and 
and you start, I guess, just going down rabbit holes of different design and anything. Do you actually know anybody else that, that has something like this or have come across people that have got anything like this? Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of pianos, piano bikers out there in the world. Yeah. There's, yeah. I wish I could remember the guy's name. Um, someone, I, I was, I had an article in um, Bikepacking Magazine. Um, ah, yeah. And yeah. somebody reached out to me emailed the editor uh who wrote the article um and then he he sent the email to me he's not on social media um Uh, and he has a a piano bike with electric assist hubs that he's been riding throughout the alps he lives in the alps and does alp tours and i've been really impressed with that um the first piano bike I ever saw and was inspired by is the Rimsky piano bike. And I think he's, uh, in the UK. Um, he does like these kind of circusy performance acts where it like starts on fire and like, it's really engaging. And his design is absolutely out of this world. Amazing. He sits above, um, a wheel that he leans on the piano bench to steer with. Um, and so he can play and write at the same time going sideways. Wow. And That's it's a, really it's a full genius. ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing. I later learned uh, that that wasn't a real piano. It was a digital piano built around uh, a traditional looking piano cabinet. So my inspiration okay. came from um, a fake but it's still amazing and it still inspired me to do the, the thing that I did. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of people doing it. I haven't seen anybody doing large cross country projects using human power, um, with piano. And so that's kind of the niche, um, that I'm in. Yeah. I mean, I think it's already a a niche. It's definitely a niche within a niche. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When you're just like, Oh yeah, there's a lot of piano bike players. I don't think there's that many, but uh, I can, I can hear where you're you're coming from for sure. For sure. And how much, uh, how much time are you trying to give yourself next year? Is it, is it a little bit undefined or are you, um, do you have a certain time frame that you, that you have in mind? Unfortunately, my, my constraints are around, um, my visa, like my visa. I thought that'd be the case. Yeah. That's so annoying. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm picturing six months of travel. Um, yeah. When I originally designed the route from June through December. Um, but I think it might start in 2024 and then come put it in storage somewhere along the way, come back the next year and finish the route. So maybe two, three month, um, pushes or, I don't know exactly yet, but um, I think that that is going to be the thing that determines kind of how the tour is. And and last year and the year before that, I was, or I'm sorry, not even COVID gap in 2019 when I was working on the project more seriously. Um, I was really looking into different ways that I could get some like a work visa or an artist visa or something in the Schengen area so that I could, I could travel without compromising the tour and I could stay on tour, but I never got to anywhere that felt like I could actually do that. So, especially because it's traveling, like I, 
I've talked to other musicians and um, artists and they've been able to get them, but they're actually living in the place that they're getting it. So my attempt at getting a visa for as a traveling artist doesn't really work because I don't have a primary resident. Yeah, that is a challenge, actually. Um, yeah, I can't help you with that one. But that's uh, <laughs> if I if I hear of anything else coming coming through through Switzerland and through Europe, I'll let you know though. Because yeah, it would be it would be a challenge in, in terms of the visas. But yeah, even if you did find an opportunity to almost do part, go back uh, for a few months yeah. and come back again, could also be a really nice way to to split up the project and, and extend it further. Wow. Yeah. Hey, super inspiring. Absolutely. Super inspiring. Uh yeah, we might we might call it there pretty soon. Anything else we, we should we should cover, Eric? I think you did a great job. I don't think there's anything else I feel we need to cover. Yeah. Hey, but when you come through next year for sure, uh I'm in Bern, Switzerland, and um please come through. If not, maybe Zurich yeah. is on your route or wherever it might be, but uh but hundred percent you can uh more than happy to host you for a, for a while for as long as you need i think it'll be amazing and um and i'll also have a think if there's anyone anywhere around here that would, that would make sense for a concert there's a few really nice venues in places like burn actually in, in switzerland there's a bit of an underground scene in, in certain places which is just hard to get in touch with um but you're not from here so i'll try my best if you can, if you can come through here awesome cool hey we're gonna call it there there then and thank you so much and yeah i hope to speak to you again soon thank you so much it's been a pleasure Thank you for listening, everyone. Beyond the Adventure is available on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit beyondtheadventure.com for all the relevant links. If you get a moment, please share with your friends and family. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to come onto the podcast, please reach out to me either via email on gareth at beyondtheadventure.com through the website of beyondtheadventure.com or reach out via my personal social media. My handles across Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn are all Gareth Brown UK. Thanks again everyone and bye for now.